Okay. Hello and welcome to episode seven of In Your Corner Divorce Coach with Carly. I am thrilled and privileged and humbled to introduce my guest, Scott Simon. Um, hello, Scott. Carly, how are you? You know what? I could complain, but then I'd not be grateful. So I'm pretty awesome. How about you? <laughs> I, I feel like it's, first of all, it's amazing to, to talk to you and hear your voice because you and I typically communicate every night by text. So I know yes. more about your life and you know more about my life than just about anybody out there. But to actually talk to you is such a pleasure. Tell the listeners what we text about. Did we text about like what we did that day? <laughs> so it's honestly one of the greatest, um, most surprising developments in my life. Um, meeting you uh, and committing to you on a very short-term basis to share five things we were grateful for by text. Um, and with no rules and no regulations around what gratitude meant to either one of us. And uh, what started out as uh, probably a weekly or a monthly effort has now been multiple years of us doing this every single night. And um, and it helps me spend my days looking for things to be grateful for to text Carly at, at 1130. So yeah, and we both know that like, if one of us doesn't do it, we're going to call each other out. Like there was a yeah. period of time where you like miss a few days and I was like, are your thumbs broken? Yeah. And, and let's be honest with everybody here. It's me. Okay. <laughs> I think you're being, you don't need to be kind. I'm the one who, if somebody's skipping out, it's me. Oh. Uh, and yes, your typical very nice comment is, are your thumbs broken? And then I know <laughs> I need to get my shit together and start getting my gratitudes back up. And, <laughs> and so like you said, you it's not even things that are like beautiful. Sometimes it's like, I didn't kill anyone today with all the rage I felt. Absolutely. And even more than that, sometimes it's, it's things that are really sad, but that we're grateful that we're feeling it, you know, yeah. that, that, that it's not passing us by that we're that we're like living through something and even though it's tough as hell um we're getting through it yeah so, there was um, last night i think one of mine was that i had the privilege to know chris wensler who died last night at 51 two kids um amazing wife he battled cancer for two years he inspired me with his beautiful writing and you know me and you are hovering around those ages and i think all the things we worry about and then poof, it's yeah. over. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, thank you for that. I love you. Um, here sure. we go. Okay. I'm gonna tell everybody how Scott and Carly connected, which is so Scott and Carly, because I was going through my divorce. I was in the beginning stages, not even a real lawyer in the picture. Um, we were gonna do amicable, let's all do this together. And I'd just gone through a miserable summer of trying to figure it out back and forth, six years of marriage counseling, lots of fun. And I knew you as a Facebook friend. I saw you and all of your like incredible posts and the things that you were doing that were inspiring to me. And no, I don't know if you know this out there on the street, but you're known as like the happy divorced guy. And there are not a lot of people that are known as the happy divorced anything. And everyone that was around me was like giving me warnings like, oh, you are going to be miserable and your kids are going to be messed up and this is a horrible thing. And I'm like, that's not the way I want to live the rest of my life. And something in my heart and my soul told me to reach out to you 
and I messaged you and I said, I think I need to hear your story. And you said, okay, why don't you come on over? And I met your dog and we sat on your couch and we became soul siblings. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit what you remember about that night? Well, I remember thinking either you were a stalker and were going to kill me or (laughs) this was going to be really interesting. And thankfully it was the latter. You're Uh, still alive. I'm a lot, not only am I alive, I'm grateful. Yes. (laughs) And, um, and so much joy has come from that. And, and, you know, I, I remember checking up on you a little bit. I, I contacted a couple people and they said, Oh my God, she's, she's fucking awesome. She's, she's all tatted up and she's cool. (laughs) She's married. She's got great kids and, and yeah, she, you're going to live like you should do this. And (laughs) You know, I, I do live by the philosophy of saying yes as often as I can in life. It's just something I do. And, and so I said yes, and you showed up, and my couch was your couch. And um, I think you and I got so deep and so connected that night that we knew there was something very special going on. And, yes. the, the, you know, the gratitudes have flowed from that, and then our, our work you know, sometimes separately, sometimes talking together about the concept of divorce um, and and how to get through sometimes the biggest shit show of our entire yeah. lives while staying sane, while feeling like a good human and while protecting our children and yes. helping them thrive and grow. So that's what, for me, that's what flowed from just saying yes and opening the door and, and, and having you over that one night it just it changed and that night you taught me something that not only changed my life changed my children's life and has changed thousands and thousands of people who read my writing who i mean it's my my memoirs about it my my divorce coaching's about it this podcast is about it you talked to me about a concept called the north star and this is what you said. I liked it so much. I tattooed it on my inner arm. And luckily I have a few more spaces for any other pieces of wisdom you have. But you told me, and I might be wrong, but this is what I remember, that you like the concept that when sailors are lost in the dark at night in a storm and they don't know their way home, that they look up to the North Star. And once they can identify where the North Star is and they focus on that, they can always find their way home. And you told me that my three boys were gonna be my North Star. And that if I only focus on what was best for them, I was always going to be okay, no matter how choppy the waters were. Is that correct? You did that beautifully. Thank you. So not only was that so awesome and inspiring, but I went home and I told my soon to be ex the whole concept. And that is actually how we told our boys together about the North Star. We told them what a North Star was, how they were gonna be that. My ex got his only and first tattoo, which is also a North Star, on his to remind him what our focus and goal is. Yeah. And, you know, here we are on this journey. And so the reason why I have you here tonight is today and tonight is I want to focus on how you got to the place where you could share that wisdom that could make such a difference, not only in my life and inspire me to rewrite the story of divorce for my kids, but to a place where we both can, because you do this as well, can sit down one-on-one with another person and tell them this is not the end of their story. And not only is it not the end of the story, it's actually a chapter 
that they get to write themselves. I love that. That like excites me. It and and it should. And I I think that that's a you know that's a that's a choice that we all make. Um, so much of this work in North Star divorce, the concept of North Star, is really a choice. Um, you can choose to fall back into bitterness and anger and um, and all kinds of um, uh, predictable <laughs> emotions and, and emotions that, you know, no value judgment, you know, get engendered by a divorce. I mean, I never expected to get divorced. My, my divorce wrecked me when it, when it happened. And, and so much of that was because everybody else in my family, except for one, you know, kind of like one uh, side of my family were all happily married. And when I say happily married, I mean like blissfully married. My dad would come home from work and my mom, uh, who also worked, would come home a little bit earlier and she would make him a martini. He would pour hmm. her a glass of Chardonnay. They would sit on the couch and tell each other about their days. And that's what I saw growing up. And that's what you wanted, right? You wanted the same thing. Absolutely. Um, and and then I saw si my siblings do that and, and have these incredible relationships. Um, and then I, you know, married a, a woman that, who I loved dearly and, and still do love dearly. That's, that's maybe the end of the story. But, um, but the divorce itself and the whole process of, of decoupling, which is such an antiseptic word, was traumatic and messy and awful and gut-wrenching. And it had me redefining every way that I felt about myself. And I felt like a failure. And um, I've, I've told you many times before, I literally couldn't even say to other people, I'm divorced. Um, I, I would say I'm a single dad because I felt like that made me sound like some kind of hero as opposed to- So the to word divorce, you were so blocked by it that you couldn't, because, do you think it was because you had different ideas of what divorce meant before you had to walk through it yourself? Yes. And what were those ideas? To me, it was just like death. It was failure. It was a stigma. It meant that probably that nobody was want, gonna wanna date me or right. marry me, um, that my children were gonna look at me like a loser or somebody who couldn't, you know, keep a, keep a marriage together even for them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, by the way, one of the kind of unspoken guilt uh, parts about divorce, which is, you're, if you do get divorced, you know your kids are going to be looking at you as a divorced couple, and they may say, why the hell didn't you guys stay together for us? Right. Like, were we not important enough for you to get over your shit and, right. to, and to keep our house together? And so those emotions were just like waves crashing over me, and I, I lost Just think about all the layers. Think of all the layers you're just talking about. Forget the fact that you are having to split up your family and you don't get to be with your kids 100% of the time, and your idea, your dream, your white picket fence is gone. And now, not only are you dealing with all of that stuff, the legal, the financial, all of it, now you have to deal with your own horrible pain and guilt and shame and fears about what this all means. Yes, yes. And I remember um, this kind of, I don't want to call it an epiphany, but like a, 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 a 
a moment where, where I felt like there was a turning point. I was outside of a library. I had both kids. One kid was holding my, my son was walking and holding my hand. My daughter was in my arms. It was pouring down rain <laughs> and I, I had to get both of them into the car and into their car seats. And my daughter was like climbing over my shoulder and my son wasn't getting in the car and we were all <laughs> soaked. And I literally, I, I was like, I can't, I can't do this. Like right. this, this, and, and it is, it, it, I'm not proud of this, but I got one of them in the car and I actually punched the, my car. <laughs> I actually, because you were so frustrated, so much, so frustrated, and by the way, I ended up keeping that that um, that dent in my car until I, it did to remind me every time I walked past that that dent in in my car that this was the moment. Like I I had to I had to re up not as a happy white picket fence married guy, but as a torn apart, fragile, dad, divorced father. And at that moment, I remember thinking to myself, okay, this is, this is my new job. Like this mm. is being a divorced, being the best fucking divorced yeah. dad I can be is exactly what I wanted to be at that moment. And I like made this commitment to myself. Yeah. And it was born out of this just moment of like desperation and, and that changed everything. And it changed this whole kind of mindset that I had around who I was going to be moving forward, what kind of relationship I wanted with my ex-wife and what kind of uh, role I wanted to play in my kid's life because that to me became job number one. So yeah. uh, kind of the whole North Star component came, it, it, it wasn't a lofty idea that I dreamed up one night while sipping tea. It was like literally out of crisis yes. that the concept came. And, and then when that concept came, it, like I said, it, it changed everything for, for me. And, and it for changed us. everything for your kids and it changed everything for your ex and it changed everything for me and my kids. Because like you said, there's no way to find these kind of truths just from beauty and, and easiness. Like you had to punch that car. You had to be in the rain. You had to be sweating. And I can't do this. Yes. And then that moment you completely had to shift. What's my new life going to look like? What's my new normal going to be? And you shared with me that you went out and, and sought out help to be the best father you could possibly be. And you have become that. Like you get to walk away. If God forbid, we don't get to stay here much longer. You get to know that you were and are the best father that there possibly could be. And for me, there's nothing more important than that. Well, thank you. It, 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 like I said, it became my focus. And, and I would argue that for just about anybody listening to this that has kids, that not only are you doing them a favor by making them the most important thing, and we'll get obviously we'll get into North Star and and actually how to do that, but you're doing it for yourself and, yeah. and you're doing it for humanity because you yeah. are raising human beings that will then bring love and gratitude and health and creativity and in, into the world as opposed to angst and bitterness and and. And believe me, it hasn't been perfect, but 
my, I did go back. I found a, a wonderful uh, therapist and I met with her twice a week. And I, and really all we talked about was my parenting. Um, that was our main focus. And yes, we, we talked about some relationship issues and my feelings about myself and where, where I was going in life. But the vast majority of our conversations were about the logistics around how to be a single parent or a co-parent and, and to put your kids first. Because it, that became, I, it was like my graduate degree. I, I had to learn this shit. I didn't know it. Yeah. And you did and you have, and you're, you're teaching it. I love it so much. So tell me, um, did you create the idea of the North Star or did someone give it to you? I, I created it. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> I created it because it, to me, it, and I'm sure I was a, I was an English major in college and, and, uh, you know, studied a lot of poetry and worked in the writing center and, to me, I, I'm, I'm a very visual and kind of poetically inclined person. Yeah. And to me, this whole feeling of being newly divorced felt like I was out in the middle of the ocean in the dark. That's how it Which, felt. Which, by the way, for me, could not be more frightening because I don't like massive bodies of water that I can't see things that are underneath it. And then you yeah. throw a storm in there yeah. and I can't find my way home and I'm yeah. terrified and I don't know where to go. And the truth is, uh, just to jump ahead, but when I don't know what to do in those storming moments, because even though I make this my priority, we have storms. Like my co-parent and I have storms because yep. it's yep. called life. And yep. when I'm in the middle of those storms, I cannot breathe. I cannot remember. And then I remind myself what is going to be the best for my children. Not yep. what do I want? What's going to be the best for them? And I actually do believe, and you taught me this, that you can have a North Star divorce if only one person wants it. Yes. So like you can't have a marriage if only one person wants it. That just doesn't work. You can have a North Star divorce if you're the only parent that is willing to do it. And yes. it's going to look a lot like sucking it up, taking the high road, holding your tongue and having other outlets to deal with it. But your kids don't have to get messed up if you don't want them to. This is, this is the some of the hardest work that can be done yeah. to, if you don't have a willing partner on the other side and, and I, you know, I, I, I coach divorcing men. I run a support group of divorcing men and, and believe me, I have, I know what it's like to not feel like you have somebody who's meeting you halfway. Yeah. And it is, you're exactly right. It feels like sucking it up. It feels like the other person's getting the best of you. It feels unfair. Uh, all emotions that we, that we hate and don't want to feel, especially when we're feeling fragile and we're like, we're trying to put our ego back together yeah. as we're leaving a marriage. Yeah. And so, so many people want to just exert that sense of power and self-control and uh, and the, that leads to all kinds of behaviors that at the end of the day hurt your children. And yourself. They don't serve you. Like no one's keeping track. What I noticed in the beginning was, you know, when, when you announce the divorce, the majority of the people don't know, right? No one knows what's really going on in your house. Everybody sees the outside and they think, like my house was beautiful, right? They thought my life was beautiful. On Facebook, it looked great. Yep. And then when it's announced and it's out there, stories start circulating. 
And one of the tendencies that I felt in the beginning was I wanted to set the record straight because people were saying things that were not looking real good with me. And that yeah. was not my truth. And what I found out was it didn't matter what anyone else thought. The, I didn't have the energy to spend there. I needed to spend the energy on, like you said, being a new single parent. Like, how do I do this by myself, right? How do I do all of these things that I used to have a partner to do with me all by myself? Yep. So if you have a North Star, you there are probably people listening to this that suffer from what I suffered from for probably 30 years of my life, which is carrying, caring way too much about what other people yes. felt about me. Yeah. And, um, and, and still do. I, I, it's not like I've eradicated it. At least I'm more self-aware about it now. But back then to me, what people thought what meant so much to me all yeah. of that kind of validation and looking like uh, this happy family and social media just being just having glows around all of our heads as we right. as our as these photos were being posted and all these comments and then and then the reality is your life is 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 a shit show yeah and so you're in this awful place you're feeling inauthentic you're feeling like a fraud your life is kind of either falling apart or is certainly coming apart in certain ways. But here I think is the, is the wonderful power. Once you start focusing on your kids as the North Star and start letting go of this need to yeah. pretend to other people that things are going well, I actually kind of got off on the concept of being a single parent, being a divorced parent, and not caring. And by not caring, people were like, wow, that's a, you're amazing. Like, you're amazing. Like, it's not that I didn't feel it. It's just that I didn't care whether they validated me or not. And, and do you know what I did? I went one step above that. Yeah. And I think this is because I'm a little bit more wild than you. Yeah. Is yeah. I will advertise my shit show on social media. <laughs> and I'll be like, look at the shit show that is my life right now. Like, pink hair, don't care, all over the place. We can't handle this. We're going to light the house on fire because there's a spider. Like I let them know it because I also think one of our responsibilities and something you taught me is permission to be human Yes. and permission to let other people be human. Because if they don't, like if you didn't share the story about punching the car in the rain and you just said, the divorce was not something I was excited about. We were both a mess during it. And then I made the decision that I was going to really just do it right. They would be like, whatever. But when you tell them that you punched your own car, right? <laughs> and that I'm sure you didn't feel real good about yourself that evening, right? That those are the moments when you're at the lowest point where we finally go, I will do whatever it's going to take to change. Yes. So yep. I love you so much for that. Um, can you give me an example of an issue that has come up between you and your co-parent that could have gone in a typical yucky way if you weren't focusing on what's best for the kids and you were all about yourself, your ego, your own stuff, and how you chose to, to put North Star into place? I'll choose probably, I think, the most monumental one because I think it, to me, it exemplifies everything. Um, my um, my co uh, parent got remarried and Mazel tov. 
Thank, thank you. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the whole concept of somebody else parenting your children and somebody else being at home alone with your children where you control nothing, about, uh, you know, and, and the kind of um, mix of emotions. You did marry this person at one yeah. point and, you know, now they are moving on with somebody else. Maybe you've moved on, but, but in, in the process, you know, they're moving on and that, and that creates a lot of emotions. Um, and I think that, you know, for me, my first reaction when I found out that um, their stepdad like took my son to a football game, the yeah. two of them. I mean, it was like a stake in my heart. I can't, yeah. it, it's hard for me to even describe how it feels to visualize, you know. Your son. Your son a at a football game, popcorn and a, a new jersey. Yeah. And um, so, okay, so there's the, there's the emotion and, my, and, a, and a typical way for me to deal with something like that is, to get super passive aggressive, um, to raise all kinds of concerns. How did they get down there? Who, you know, d does this guy drink? What's the- You mean raise the concerns with your co-parents, like cause problems. Cause problems. Yeah. I, I want to throw a grenade into that whole situation. Right. Right? Yeah. Like I, I want to just screw it up completely. I want to make everybody feel guilty. Right. And then I want to buy season tickets and the yeah. front row so that they can't go and then I can go and, you know, I could go on and on and on. And I'm sure everybody listening to this has their own situation where they know they would act in some kind of crazy ass way. Insecure. What's that? Insecure. Like I also know that other things that people would do in that situation is they would talk badly about that guy yes okay so like they would passive aggressively say to their son oh that's not even a real jersey or i heard that you know they do things to cut away the experience from their kid because they're feeling insecure that they had it with somebody else and it's so easy to do and sometimes it feels semi subconscious and you and and you and it and it almost it's like it's like burning to come out of you right like so you asked for an example of how one could handle that differently. So I remember having those emotions and I remembered the North star and I took a step back and I thought to myself, okay, if I focus on the North star, if I focus on what is truly best for my kids, mm. let me think about that. What's best for my kids is a positive, functional, loving relationship with this new male role model in their lives. Who very right? well could be with them for the rest of their lives, who exactly. you don't get the chain custody of because you want them to have a relationship with their mother and there's, she's doing nothing wrong. And if you, if you make it so that relationship is not authentic and honor it and make it sacred, then what happens is your kids wanna stick up for their dad they feel bad about how you feel because they take on your emotions because you're yes. not having boundaries. And yeah. then they make that time every single time they go to their moms and they see their stepdad miserable yeah. because they don't want you to feel bad. And so I remember very distinctly saying to 
uh, Laura, my co-parent, I am so happy for you, excited for you. And, you know, let me know how I can be helpful um, as the as the father in in supporting you as you guys move into this new phase. And I will tell you, it was probably two days later, I got a letter in the mail, um, one of the greatest gifts I've ever received in my life. Obviously, Laura transmitted that information. And I got a letter uh, from her now husband saying that he loved my children, loves my children, but always will respect me as their father, never wanted to cross that line and that boundary, and hoped that we could all continue having a, a great relationship together. And I will tell you that is exactly what has happened. And we go to, I sometimes see the two of them at events, and I, of course, I love my, my co-parent, my former wife, but a lot of times I will, I will seek out her husband and we'll grab a beer and talk about sports. And, and we have this relationship. I think sometimes people look at us like we're absolutely crazy, but we have been able to craft this wonderful relationship where I like him, I respect him. He plays a very important role and I play a very important role. And, and- Do you know and, what's so interesting what you just said? People look at us like we're absolutely crazy. The people that I've talked to that were not interested in what we're talking about would dismiss it because if they had to acknowledge that this was a possibility, yes, that it didn't have to be miserable, that it didn't have to be painful, then yeah. that meant that they had to do all the work that it takes to do that. Because I have to tell you, I know you pretty well, there's no way you actually felt those things that first day you said them. You did them because you were a mensch and you wanted to see what you could do for your kids to make sure that they were safe, secure, not emotionally damaged. And by you saying something you didn't mean, but you wanted to mean, you acted into it and then you got that response and it built this beautiful relationship. So one thing I wanna identify is, this is an area that we don't have to live honestly. This is so confusing for people, right? So I'm honest with myself and the people I love, but I am not honest with my co-parent about how I feel about things because I want our relationship to be good. And if I told him how I felt all the time, it would be guardian ad litem, right? Like yeah. we wouldn't be able to focus. So thank you so much for that story. I love it. Sure. Yeah. And you can take that story and just, you know, substitute money, substitute, um, uh, housing situations and, and what life is like within very, you know, different, different homes, different types of parenting styles. And, you know, you can substitute anything in there that is going to push your buttons, make you feel angry, make you feel insecure, um, get your back up. And, you know, to me, this whole concept of permission to be human, which you and I talked about that first night and was taught to me by by uh, my professor when I studied positive psychology, it is about uh, not denying all of those emotions. It's yeah. actually about really feeling those emotions, but still acting right. Right, like behaving. Still, still doing the right thing and honoring feelings of jealousy, anger, resentment, you know, all of that. If you tried to pretend that that stuff wasn't happening, you'd, you'd be a comatose i mean it just Can I say something about that about permission to be human is and this is pr 
probably going to be not for everyone. And this is just my experience and opinion based on my own journey. I, and I'm putting aside people that are like psychotic or violent or abusive, but like just yeah. regular humans that wanted a great marriage and a great life and it didn't work out for whatever reason. I personally think the only reason, if you boil it down, that people cannot have this kind of a life is because they're selfish and they won't let go, they won't let go of their stuff. Yes. Because they've already made the decision not to be together, whether it was theirs or not. It's done, right? So what are you going to do, like we love, what are you going to do with this one precious life, right? What are you going to do with it? Yep. Um, I have a few more questions, even though I could talk to you for the rest of my life, and I hope I will. Um, tell me, what tools have you found along the way that like create a North Star of divorce and don't mess up your kids? Like, So for sure, one of them that you just shared was telling our co-parent something in a congratulatory way or like sending good wishes even if you don't mean it because you know that it needs to be done what other things have you picked up yeah so the, this whole concept of not not talking shit about your yes yeah is um and and, and people do it by the way in in <laughs> in 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 large ways and in small ways and yes. it's so easy to slide in a comment here or there or a question mm -hmm. that leads your children. And, and I, I urge people to, to avoid that. And the tool that I use, I think more often than any is a tool of patience. If you can sit with a situation, even overnight and not react in the moment, whatever that situation is, and you can just either sit with it or journal about it. Um, I don't even necessarily suggest venting to a friend and, and having to hear what somebody else says because sometimes they amp up your emotion. I'm talking about the tool of just sitting with an emotion with a situation and yeah. give it 24 hours to breathe and then come back to it. And and if you still feel strongly about it and there's still so much energy around it, then it's probably worth a conversation with your co-parent and, and there, you know, hopefully will be the two of you will tango and there will be a resolution, but so much can get solved just by taking a breath, being, having some patience, sitting with it. I mean, I happen to love meditation there's a particular form of meditation called meta where you are wishing loving kindness on yourself and on people that sometimes are challenging or toxic in your life. And it takes 10 minutes, 12 minutes. If you can download or go on YouTube and find a meta meditation and, and allow yourself that space, it's not always easy, but if you can do it, it just alleviates so much of that negative toxic energy and allows you to kind of get back to that concept of a North Star and making the right decisions on behalf of your kids. That is such an adult choice to wait and sit. And your tool is meditation and my tool is inventory, which I'm gonna be teaching my clients when we work together about how to take the feelings, right? Because the feelings are so intense. Like I'm 85% of the time, me and my co-parent are awesome. 15% of the time I want him to die. And when it happens, these are the thoughts in my mind. 
I can never be a divorce coach. Who on earth wants to hear anything I have to say? Because this is the way I feel in this moment. And it's so intense and I can't breathe. And why would he make that decision? And what is he doing? And then when I do my inventory and I wait versus the times where I don't do the inventory and wait and breathe and meditate, I always have to make amends when I don't do the inventory and breathe because I always behave like someone who's angry and afraid. And when I wait, like you just said, I can make smarter choices that are not going to negatively impact all of us. Because here's the thing, even if you're really good at hiding your feelings, your kid will go on it. And they're smart. And any, I have to tell you, in one of my episodes, I'm having an interview tomorrow with an awesome young lady who is going to be an advocate for children of divorce. She grew up in a horrible divorce. And I got 60 different um, children of divorce and adult children of divorce to, to fill in an anonymous form. And overall, the majority of the yucky stuff I heard and I read was about how horrible they felt when their parents talked horribly about another parent or made them feel like they, it just, it's not okay. And so I love that tool. Thank you so much for that. Um, tell me some of the awesome things you and your co-parent do that make people look at you and think those people are crazy. <laughs> um and they do all the time and 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 i get asked out for you know coffees and zoom calls all the time because people see uh Laura's and my relationship and they they want to know you know what is what is this recipe yep. uh, people ask us all the time and so i would say certainly a few things we um we're very consistent in the way that our kids uh, spend time with the two of us. Uh, there's no fighting over who is with whom. Uh, we actually, strangely enough, I have, an, I have a 19-year-old and a 17-year-old. We have a 19-year-old and a 17-year-old. And they have the exact same schedule with the two of us as they had when they were five and three. Same nights. And you could look at that and say, <laughs> why do you do that? And, and, and you'd be right to ask that question. But for us, having a sense of consistency means safety. Yeah. And we have, and of course, there's flexibility built in if someone's going on a trip or if somebody's doing something. So we have built in this sense of, of consistency so that the kids always knew that they were being taken care of. They always knew they were going to be somewhere safe. And in a time of divorce and in a time of uncertainty, that has been really critical for us. I love that. We did come up with something that I, I think I should probably patent and sell and write a book about, uh, except I'm just going to divulge it now for free and everybody else can do it. And that is, um, especially if you have two children, if you have three, it's fine too. If you have one, that's, that's fine. We happen to have two. And so every Sunday night, we have something called special night. And we've been doing it again since the kids were five and three. Special night means that from five o'clock on until bedtime, that child is with one parent and they get to design the agenda for the evening. So for my daughter, that usually meant going to Sephora and walking <laughs> through the aisles and looking at moisturizers and then coming home and she loves steak and Brussels sprouts. So I have made more steak and Brussels sprouts probably than anybody in the United <laughs> States. and. And then we would watch, you know, 
uh, a Disney movie or whatever, and then get into bed and, and, and read a book. And that was special night for us. Then we would flip. The next week, Laura would have our daughter and I would have our son. And for him, that would usually mean going out for wings, watching a football game, you know, playing fantasy football, um, playing ping pong in the basement, um, watching America's Got Talent, whatever it was. And it's obviously changed over the years and morphed. But they got to decide the agenda. We did what they wanted to do. We ate what they wanted to eat. I put my phone away. I didn't work. I didn't take calls. It was 100% about them. And, um, and I will tell you, and this is the proof that it's a good idea. This is the proof. When I look back on my life with my kids, so many of the memories that I retain now are the memories of those special nights. It wasn't a random Tuesday night in a conversation we had about something in politics or something happening at school. Those nights, of course, happened and they all kind of, in, in some ways, blend into one another. But those special nights stick out. So for those out there, if your co-parent agrees to this concept and if you have one child, then it's every other, we love this concept of Sunday nights, but it's every other Sunday night, they go, they go to one parent and then the other. If it's two, you flip-flop. If it's three, then it's you, you, you work it out. Or if it's more, you work it out. So at some point in a, in a month or in two months, somebody has a special night with their child. And it, is, it has meant everything to us. And um, so I, I, in working with my divorced clients, I always bring up the concept of a special night. And so many of them have adopted them and, and, and love the concept. I love that so much. And I want to tell our listeners that, so Laura and Scott are both on the same page with a special night and it's so amazing. And my kids beg for that. Um, and we've been able to carve out the time, but my co-parent um, is not on the same page of doing it on a regular basis because of his own life. And it's a very painful topic for my kids because they want it so badly and I'm willing to do it. Um, so what I'm going to do after listening to you is I'm going to enlist my parents who are incredible and live nearby and love my children more than anything. And I'm going to have them keep two and me keep one every Sunday that I have them. And we're going to alternate because they need it. And now with COVID, my kids are on top of each other a hundred percent of the day. And all of us desperately need alone time one-on-one. -on -one, so I love you for that. I'm going to ask you one more question because I totally lied and went over our time. And <laughs> forever. Sure. Um, is what advice do you have for anyone either about to start besides a special night or actually even more than that? Cause you gave awesome advice. I want to know what advice you have for someone who's in the middle of their divorce, whether they're legally done or not, they're living separately and they know that they're not doing it the right way. They know that, they've messed up their kids so far. They know that they haven't been putting their kids first. How can they write this now? So uh, to me, that's, that's easy. And, and the advice would be, it's never too late to start and to start now. I love it. That's it. it write it. out a, a plan with your co-parent. If, if that's a doable thing, sit down over a cup of coffee and talk it out create uh, some agreements with one another about the way this is going to work for the two of you. Um, and, 
and begin immediately because the your your children who you brought into this world without them concurring deserve it right they they deserve you focusing your attention energy focus on them and by the way when you end up leading this next chapter of your life fully and with your within your own power and and with excitement and adventure and um and, and yes also with hard times and challenges and trauma that come along the way your children are going to see happy co-parents yes. and what is a better gift to your own children than for them to see their divorced parents as happy and doing good things in the world. Yes, and I also wanna remind listeners out there who don't have someone who's willing to do that, that they still can have a North Star divorce, even if the other parent stays bitter and angry for the rest of their lives, which would be sad and unfortunate, that we can give them that security and safety. We can be the one who never says a negative word, who invites, who buys presents, who does all of it, and they can see how we manage ourselves even with difficult situations because they, it's not hopeless just because one person doesn't want to do it. And um, Scott doesn't know this yet, but he is going to be back for a part two to discuss how to create an, an exciting chapter, not just with kids, but with yourself, because that's something that is so inspiring to me about him. And he's pushed me so hard to like reach really high and dream big um and he can also talk about scarier soul which is something that is changing the world um scott i love you massively i want to let the listeners know that we made a time frame for when we're going to stop doing our gratitudes and that's when one of us is no longer physically here and i have to tell you that um when i think about whatever that day is going to be it's going to be one of the most painful nights of my life if I'm the one who's left that I don't get to send that to you, but I'll probably still send them to you. And um, I just, I love you and thank you for your time. I love you too. It's been my pleasure. Thanks. Have a good night.